0: a thing for torches. Um, I brought a few of my favorites with me today. This is number one, the head torch. Um, we go camping as a family probably every summer, and this is really helpful when you need to go to the toilet at night and you need two hands. Re- highly recommended, especially for guys. Um, essential, I'd save life. This is, this is a fun one. This is what kind of hangs in our tent from above cause, and, the, and the girls love pulling it and swinging it and, and doing stuff like this and, and whatever else. And it's, you know, it's, it's very useful as well. And, uh, and this is another one. This is my uh, purchase of, uh, of Amazon or eBay, I can't remember which it was, and it's really cheap. It's been dropped a number of times and it's like a tank, it doesn't fail. It always seems to, to last and every now and then you look into it and you get blinded by that. Anybody here got any uh, stigmatism issues? I'll turn it off. This morning we're talking about the concept of light. And uh, if if you've been with us um, over the last few few weeks, we've been doing a series through Mark, the Gospel of Mark. And Mark is a beautiful book. Um, it, It paints the picture of who Jesus is. And so often in life we need to see Jesus really really clearly because when we don't see Jesus clearly in our lives often our direction of our life goes awry. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where it's been really really dark. Anybody been in a situation where you know it's, it's like pitch black dark? Anybody? Um, anybody know what what potholing is? Is anybody stupid enough to do potholing? <laughs> so as a Cub Scout, I was a Cub Scout and what's the motto? Be prepared, and on this Cub Scout um, kind of trip we went on, we went potholing, and I didn't know what potholing was. I was an eight-year-old kid, and everyone was going, you're yeah, going potholing, bring a torch. So um, I asked my mum and dad, give me a torch, and they gave me this torch. It was about this big. Actually, I think we might still have it in the house somewhere, mum and dad, but, and, it, and it was the worst torch ever. I think it must be one of those torches where, you know, you send off a vouchers for from your cereal packets and they send you it in the post. You know, one of those ones which you just know is not great, and, uh, and unfortunately it let me down. So we were crawling through this tunnel, and the whole idea of potholing, if you don't know, if you're claustrophobic, apologies, this will send shivers down your spine, but potholing is when you get, you basically, for fun, you crawl through tunnels, concrete tunnels, and gradually they get smaller and smaller, and darker and darker and you go in a line, so there's people behind you, there's people in front of you, and, and you're crawling on your, on, your, on, on your shoulders, and then you can't do that, so you have to kind of go, you know, arms straight, legs straight, and you're trying to get through these tight holes, these long tubes of, conc- of like concrete tubes, and all you've got, and this is supposed to be for fun, is supposed to build you, or build you up somehow as a, as a young eight-year-old, or whatever, to hate darkness, uh, but these potholes are pitch black, and all you have is a little cereal packet torch, in my hand and this torch was terrible because I remember going through this tunnel, crawling through and what happened was that I accidentally dropped it, I was holding this and I dropped it and it went boom and the light just went and I remember being in pitch black and thinking oh my gosh and I felt my hands around me in front of me, oh there's a battery, okay, (laughs) oh there's that springy bit which screws into the bottom. And I remember in pitch black, in darkness, trying to screw this torch back together because that was the only hope that I had to move forwards. I did feel somebody prodding my feet behind me, which was kind of nice to know I wasn't alone. But I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you've been in pitch darkness and all you've had is a light to hold on to. Yeah, Maybe you've been in the wilderness. Maybe some of you are you know, from, from Africa and there's no light anywhere or something. And then you look up and all you see is maybe the stars and stuff like that. And it's kind of pitch black. And that's what we're looking at today. We're looking at the power of the lamp. And this is a continuation in our series on Mark where Jesus has been speaking. He starts to speak in parables. He starts speaking stories, helping us use imagery to help us understand something of the kingdom of God. And if you want to turn your Bibles, we're going to be looking at uh, Mark 4, verses 21 to 25. And over the last two weeks, we've been looking at the first few parables of, of Jesus in Mark. And they're the parables of the sower, or the parables of the, of the soil, where Jesus is, is speaking in such a way to help us grasp something of what it means for somebody to receive the Word of God. And he mentions four soils. He mentions about the soil where the, the sower, who's Jesus, sows the seed, he sows the truth of God's kingdom, and it lands in places which are, some of them aren't fruitful, some of them are, are rocky places where the seed doesn't take root. Some of them are shallow soil, where the soil is shallow and only spr- the, kind of the, 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 the plants sprout up for a few moments, but then die because there's no roots for them to grow in. And some of them are thrown onto rocky places, and, and the birds come and take the seed away. And the truth of what God has to say to us doesn't take root or produce any fruit. And that's been kind of the picture that we've been putting our, our attention to in the last few weeks. And this morning, Jesus just slightly shifts the picture around. He just slightly shifts the focus of the picture. It's still about hearing the word of God. It's still about hearing what God has to say to us and receiving it. But I wanna say this morning that Jesus wants to shift the picture uh, away from maybe just looking at ourselves. He wants us to shift the picture of this truth, that God is, uh, his word has to be spread, not just within the four walls of this church, but it has to be spread to the world that is outside. You remember there are four soils that are, i mentioned this one, there are four soils. And the last soil obviously is one where the seed takes root, it germinates, it, it produces more fruit, but I would just say, just as thinking about this, this picture, there's a fifth fruit. Um, so there's a fifth, um, there's a fifth soil. And that is the soil that has not yet received the Word of God. Nobody has sown into that place. Nobody has spoken to that soil yet. And I want to pray that this morning that some of us here would be convicted by the power of the Holy Spirit to go into places where the, the seed hasn't been sown yet. Or it's been sown, it needs to be sown again. And if it needs to be sown again, it needs to be sown again. And that's what I'm hoping for this morning, that we would get courage this morning to be people who are sowers, people who freely give the good news that we have sung about this morning. The joy that we are experiencing through worship this morning would not just be contained within these four walls, but it will be light that shines out into darkness because that's where Jesus needs to be. So I want to just pray for us this morning as here is because the parable at the very beginning says... If you hear, he, he, who has an, he who has an ear, let him hear. And I pray that you would not just hear me, but you would hear the Holy Spirit speaking. So let, would you just bow your hearts with me this morning as we just ask God to convict our hearts for the things of his heart? Father, I pray, Lord, as you shine brightly, that all that would happen, Lord, in our hearts, that it would illuminate for us. God, would you convict us, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, for the love of your name, for the love of your gospel? Lord, to show others, Lord, and to sow where it's not been sown before. I pray for that courage in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you would, would you turn with me to, to Mark 4, uh, verses 21 to 25? We're just going to read um, this mini parable uh, which, which talks about light. So Jesus says this in uh, Matthew 4:21. Jesus said to them, "Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed?" And not understand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he says to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use it, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For for to the one who has, more will be given, and for the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away." So I've got some very simple points, really. I think a lot of us have seen this parable before, this idea that uh, there is a lamp that comes, and we know what light does, don't we? We know it brings light into dark places. We know that if you put it, I was going to use those baskets, maybe I can. We know if you put it under a basket, it's not very effective, is it? We all know that. We all know. I think we all know the picture that Jesus is painting here, that light has to be placed into a place where it has effectiveness, where it shines for what it is in itself. You don't add to the light. You don't um, try and make it brighter. Light is light, and that's what it is. And all we've got to do is place it in the right places. And this is the picture that Jesus paints for us through this parable. He's saying this, first and foremost, that Jesus is the light that has come. Jesus is the light that has come. And the word it uses in um, Mark 4:21, it says here that's a lamp brought to be put into on a basket. The word that used in Greek is actually, "the light has come. The light comes. And that light we're talking about is, is the light of Jesus, he, who he is, his identity, who he came, what he came to do, but also what he came to be. And he is the light that has come into the world. We read in John 3, 19, that it says that Jesus is the light that has come into the world. And for many of us, um, I just think back to Christmas. Christmas is all about light and kind of fairy lights and things like that. And every time I look at light at Christmas time, I always think that Jesus is the light that illuminates and has illuminated each one of our hearts. For those of us who call Jesus Lord and Savior, he is the one who's come and revealed into our lives uh, the need to see him, the need to see him not just as a person of history, a person who was uh, 2,000 years ago, came and did something. He's the person now who is the very person who is God incarnate. And he comes now in our lights. He illuminates. He rules in our hearts. The fact that Jesus has come Is something that we should all hold so dearly in our hearts. What is the purpose of light? In this case, for Jesus, he came to do three things. He came to reveal the beauty, the majesty, and glory of God. For many of us here, we see that. It says in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible, it says, let light shine out of darkness, and it has shone in our hearts to give light Of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. Light has shone into my dark heart. And Jesus is not somebody now who's just a person, a guy, who someone talks about. He's now the person who I see is the face of my Savior, the face of my God. He is the person who now see we see the glory of Jesus Christ in the very the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. His perfect life. His boundless grace and mercy for me. His humility and sacrifice on the cross. His victory and power at the resurrection. His authority and glory till he comes again. Those are the things now that I see in Christ that I didn't see before until the light of Christ illuminated my heart. I'm sure for you, just as we were singing some of those songs this morning, he is light in the darkness. Something in your heart just stirred. Something in your heart just wanted to worship him because he has opened my eyes. He's opened your eyes. Now we get to glory in the beauty and majesty of who God is. The second thing that Jesus comes to do as a light, he shows and reveals darkness in each one of our hearts. Just as it is when you... um, I don't know if you've ever seen one of those UV lights. I've got actually one in my pocket. Um, You know, those UV lights. You kind of... um, I know we're talking about coronaviruses and all that, right, at the moment. And um, anybody want to give me their hands? Um, these kind of these lights, you kind of, they shine on your hands and they kind of show all the bacteria, don't they? And they show kind of all the nasty stuff that, that's there because it's a certain type of light, right? And some of us, um, when Jesus is shining on our lives, he shined on our lives. He does it in such a way that he exposes darkness in us, not to crush us. Not to shame us, but he exposes darkness in our lives so that he can heal us and redeem us. And that's the beautiful thing about God's grace, that when he shines his light on us, as we grow in love with him, what he doesn't do is kind of just start kind of prodding us with more guilt. But he gives us a way in Christ to say that this is grace for you. I'm showing the darkness in your life so that you can be light and life as well. And for us who've been Christians a long time, I don't know about you, but... There's this verse in Romans and it says where sin increased, grace increased even more. And for me, that's so precious that when God reveals something in my life that he needs to change, it's not because of guilt, it's because of grace. That that thing existed before Jesus even saved me. And yet he still chooses to gently mature and nurture in me and rid me of darkness that's in my heart. We're not saved because we were light. We're saved because the light has come into our darkness. And God continues to do that for each one of us if we choose to hear and heed his love for us. It says this in John, uh, John 3.16, we know it well, that Jesus Christ, so, God so loved the world that he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And it goes on in verse 19 to say this, light has come into the world, but people have loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come into the light, lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light. Church, my encouragement this morning to you is to come into the light continually. Sometimes it's easy to hide our hidden sin. It's easy to hide the things that we're not proud of. But what God calls us to do in each one of us in a loving community to share each other's burdens to bring darkness into light and to allow Christ to deal with those things lovingly through grace through mercy heal us and take us from darkness into light and I know in my own life that's something I do with a group of guys but continually we need to find a way in which we expose the darkness in our lives not to be settled with where that leaves us in life but to let him let Christ the true light bring light to our lives so God, Jesus came to reveal the beauty and majesty of God. He came to reveal darkness that is in each of us. But he also came to rescue us into the light. And this is the beautiful thing that Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And that is my prayer for each one of us here, that we would walk as people from a Sunday morning service like this, full of light and life that Christ, the experience of Christ that we have in Sunday mornings, every day of our lives, as we walk and talk with him, would be one where we become lights of life to the world around us. This is several implications for us. This is several applications for us already. If Jesus Christ is the light of the world, what are we? And I suggest that we are just this. We're just lampstands holding up the light of life to all who'd want to see that's what we do. We just hold up the light of life. We don't draw attention to ourselves. We don't say, look at me, look at my success. Rather, our lives should be orientated in such a way that what we do is we bring glory to Jesus. We point towards the light. We say, here, look at my life. Everything I do, everything I say, everything I desire inside of us, inside of me, wants to bring glory to the risen Christ. That is what our job is, as to be his lampstands, to shine the light of life to those who are in darkness. That means we have to be about Jesus. It means that we have to be about the light. We have to be about that person in love with him, savoring him, allowing uh, his beauty, his majesty to rule in every area of our lives, in our finances, in our families, in our marriages, in our difficult relationships, in our ambition. Is everything you have orientated in such a way that when people look at you they see Christ they see yes this man this woman this child this student their life is about this person Jesus he must be a light what else does it mean for us we our lives have to be about Jesus we also have to be in a place where we're not trying to hide our darkness um I think one of the biggest uh, challenges for guys, men, is that we hide our darkness from each other. And being very, very real, there's, there's, there's issues that men face of pornography, sex, uh, lust, uh, things that we are not proud to show. And what we choose then to do is to hide it in darkness. We choose to hide it in such a way where we present ourselves, the nice, light things, but we hide behind on the other side of our lives, the dark things. And men, we need to be in a place where we, to be effective lights for other people, we need to allow the light of Christ to expose the darkness in those areas. I'm not sure what that looks like for you. Maybe the first step is a, a challenge to men that you, other men that you trust to, to expose places of darkness because without that exposure, we continue to ha- harbor um, darkness in our lives. The effectiveness of our lives is so hindered. There's so much guilt and oppression that comes from the enemy that we can deal with at the foot of the cross. And my challenge to us is to continue to reveal darkness in our lives. Ladies, for you, maybe it's the way we speak. Maybe it's our, our inner emotions and how we, we portray that to other people. And, and whatever it looks like, we need to be in community where we allow the darkness to be exposed in our lives, not to shame us, but to heal us. And that is what Christ does. So that's the first point, Jesus is light that comes and he's in our hearts, he's in our lives. But the second point of this parable is this, that Jesus has to be revealed. He has to be revealed. And we get a choice in this, in our lives, how we allow him to be revealed. The question is, does light come into a place and you hide it under a basket or under a bed? And the obvious question, answer to that question is, no. The light doesn't come into this world to be hidden. So it is in our lives. When the light of Jesus comes into our lives, are we supposed to hide it? Are we supposed to take this light that Christ has illuminated our hearts and choose to hide it away, not talk about him? Allow him to be a Sunday, a Sunday or Sunday event only. Monday to Friday, we choose to conceal him away, and then we bring him out again. This is a challenge for me. I, I hope this isn't uh, judge, in many way, judgmental, but this week I've been struggling so hard with just this concept that how I choose to hide Christ. And it's a pattern that I believe that we, we develop in our lives, isn't it? We know that we can get all, not get away, we know we can get through life Monday to Friday by just doing our work, loving our families, doing these things. But I just know that in my heart, the Holy Spirit is always prompting me, Christ, Christ, Christ. Shine him, Ed, in this situation. They asked you what you're doing this weekend. What are you going to say? What opportunities has God given me on a Monday morning to show something of the life of Christ that is in my heart? An opportunity to serve somebody. Man, am I going to take the opportunity to love them? Maybe not with the words of Christ, but with the actions of Christ. When I see somebody on the street and they're in need, do I choose to just rush on my way past them, doing my own thing, thinking about myself? Or is Christ's life. Captivated me so much that compassion, mercy flows from my life. These are the questions we have to be asking the Holy Spirit to continue to illuminate our lives because otherwise we settle into a pattern of just concealing the light. We just conceal the light and the effectiveness of what we have just loses it. Every follower of Jesus is called to be a lampstand to lift up the light of Christ. Every single one of us. The context that Jesus is speaking here actually is really interesting because in, in, Ma- in Mark, it talks about how Jesus is actually speaking to his 12 disciples, his 12, the 12 disciples that he's personally mentoring for the next few years. He's not speaking to a large crowd, talking about light. He's talking to a chosen few. And in Matthew four eleven it says, You have been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. Everything is a mystery. So for every one of us here who is a Christian, who Jesus has illuminated your heart and shown you who he is, you have been given a secret of the kingdom of God. Jesus has revealed himself to you for who he is. And can I say, guys, the question we have to ask ourselves today is what we going to do with that light. What are we going to do with what the God has placed in our hearts, the truth of who he is, the beauty of his kingdom, the knowledge that Jesus Christ is going to come again? What are you going to do with that message? What are you going to do with it? I know my natural inclination is to hide it, to conceal it. And I pray this morning that God would illuminate and open something in my heart. It says this in the message version of this passage. We're not keeping secrets. We're telling them. We're not hiding things. We're bringing them out into the open. That is what we've been called to do. We've been called to bring Jesus Christ out into the open. And we're going to talk a little bit about what that looks like in a few moments. But just as one way of illustrating this, I'm going to ask for some, some help, actually. Some of the fuse guys, asked you to, to come and help me with a with the illustration this morning, uh, I need about eight or ten of you. So, uh, for those of you who are asked, come on up. Thanks, Clarissa, Destiny, Kara. <laughs> Don't be shy. Uh, who else to ask? Deborah. Uh, how about a few of you guys from here? I think Ellie, you said you'd help. And um, how many do I need? Okay, each one of you, take one of these. Take one of these pieces of paper. So we're talking about the fact that we have we have a message don't we? And we have to somehow communicate the message of Christ, the light of life. And if you look at these pieces of paper, hold them up right in front of you. Can anyone see anything? Can anyone see any message on this one? Our job as Christians is to hold up the message. Can anyone see anything yet? Ellie, you have a special light, don't you? Our job is to hold up the message of Christ, And the Holy Spirit's job is to illuminate that message and to make it clear for everyone to see. So imagine Ellie here is is the Holy Spirit. Be Holy Spirit-like. Just shine your your light on what what Rachel has there. Ooh, what does it say? Came, so remember that, came. Okay, go to the next one. World, it says on there. I'm going to help you, I have another light. Sorry, I wish I had a really big UV lamp, but... (laughs) It's okay, it's okay. World, come on, you can help me. Let's have a look next one. Oh, that one's upside down. It says, Jesus. Okay. I might need to turn the lights down a little bit if that's possible. It says, Into the. Remember that. Next one. <laughs> oh, turn it around, turn it around. Maybe the other way. Ah, sinners, it says. Next one. <laughs> it might be on the other side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. 1 Timothy one fifteen. Can anybody find that Bible passage for me, please? 1 Timothy one fifteen. That's a clue. Next one. Oh, 10 rounds. Thank you, Destiny. Oh, upside down. <laughs> to save. And Deborah, what have you got there? Christ. Okay, has anybody found 1 Timothy one fifteen? 1 I'm going to ask you guys to get into order in a second. <laughs> so, anybody found 1 Timothy 1:15? It says this: Christ. Who's Christ? Christ. Deborah's in the right place. Christ Jesus. Who's Jesus? Okay. Go across. Slot yourself in between Deborah and Destiny. Christ Jesus came. Who's got came? Came. That's Rachel. Double check. It is. Christ Jesus came. Who's it says into? Who's into? It is into the. Actually, you've got two words. Into the. You guys can move across if you need to. <laughs> Jesus Christ, uh, Christ Jesus came into the world. Who's got world? Yep, yeah, move across a little bit. Came into the world um, to save. Who's got to save? Right? To save, yes. To save sinners. Who's got sinners? for. So you just stand right here, Destiny. And then Kara, you have the passage, don't you? Okay. So what Holy Spirit, why don't you come and illuminate the word to us this morning? <laughs> as you go along. And why don't we all say it together as, as we go, go go through this? So what does it say? Christ Jesus came. It's say. to save sinners 1 Timothy 1 15, thank you guys, you can go take a seat thank you Just pop it down. thank you guys other than my love for lamps and torches, why on earth did I do that? This is what we're called to do we're called to present Christ openly we're called to reveal him, make him known. And that was just an example of scripture which says, but talks about how Christ came to save sinners, for which I am the worst of them. That's what Paul says when he wrote it. And we're called to do that. We're called to take a message to the world, to shine this light. And our job isn't to make people Christians and to kind of bash them over their head with it. Our job is to allow the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, to illuminate that truth for themselves into people's lives. That is what God the Holy Spirit does. And the funny thing is, that is exactly what he did from the disciples. From those 12 disciples in the back streets on the Sea of Galilee, Jesus taught them this passage. He said, you guys are gonna hold up the light of life. And 2000 years later on, millions, billions of people now have the light of Christ in their lives. Can you see the power of the Holy Spirit? people who just hold up the light of life to other people allowing the Holy Spirit and this is what has happened multiplication this is what the parable of the sower talks about how people who have received the word they take into other hearts it's produced 10, 30, 60, 100 fold fruitfulness this is what God does he takes what small things we can do this is what the gospel message has been From the very beginning, Jesus Christ came to save sinners like you and me. Jesus entrusted it not to a clever internet, um, um, Facebook kind of message, um, kind of campaign or anything like that. He used simple men who had open hearts, who were willing to share the truth of what they've experienced of Christ and bring it out to the open. And this is the same message and technique. And strategy that Jesus Christ will use today. He'll use ordinary people like you and me. People in the back streets of St. Albans on a Sunday morning. To bring the message of life to other people around us. And the amazing thing, the amazing truth of of, of this truth is, is that one day every single person will be confronted with the person of Jesus Christ. Whether they receive it, whether they don't. It says in Philippians 2, this, Jesus Christ, God has highly exalted Christ and given him the name that is above every single name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's the glory of God the Father. And I pray that would give you hope. I pray that would give you hope because if you have Christ on your side, If his desire and his will is for everyone to know who he is, his strategy is to use you. I pray that would encourage you, that every knee will see that Christ is Lord and he will work that out for you today if you're willing. So the third point, today we are to bring Christ out to the open. You are the light. You are to shine the light of Christ. You are to be a lampstand and lift up Christ high. And always now, the questions start rolling, don't they? I know I'm called to be a light bearer for Christ, but what if no one listens? What if I get embarrassed? What if I'm ridiculed? What if people aren't interested? What happens if I don't have all the answers? There's a real questions to real situations that many of us will face tomorrow morning when we go to work, to school, to the family members who don't know Christ, whoever it may be. What if they don't become Christians? What if, what if, what if, what if? And this morning I want to encourage you the what ifs can be worked out. What Christ requires from us is obedience. First and foremost, obedience. There's so many ways in which people have chosen to kind of think about evangelism or talking about Jesus. The conservative evangelicals, so maybe some of us, as in we talk about how we've got to preach. We've got to preach. We've got to teach it. We've got to proclaim it. And we've got to say the truth. John 3.16, God so loved the world that he saved you and me. And he's come. And if you don't, you know we we use words a lot to convince people of their need for christ that's one of the ways in which i think the church has strategized how to evangelize people we preach it some of us may be more orientated towards the idea that we're supposed to do maybe good works what counts is not maybe what you say but how you live we're called to live in a way that shows something of God's justice and his mercy and kindness, and we're called to do good works. And people use like the words of Francis Assisi, which says this. He said this, Go into the world and preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. So there's that kind of social gossipers, or go- social gospelers, as they call it, attitude towards how we're supposed to share the light of Christ. And then there's the Charismatics. I know some of us here have been uh, at the natural supernatural conference this week. And, you know, f- from that, we've seen the power of God speak into people's lives, healing uh, in, in power and authority. And they're all, all about the signs and wonders, how I'm going to heal the sick. I'm going to go out and that's going to catch people's attention. And they're going to be converted to Christ because they see immense power streaming out. I want to say that all three of those ways are not exclusive. All three of those ways in which Jesus lived out, he lived out all three of those ways in where he taught and reached out to people. He used the word. He spoke the word to people. He went out to the brokenhearted and the poor and the marginalized. He went out and showed signs of wonders through healing, through miracles, through the power of the Holy Spirit. All three of those things are things that we need to have as a combination if we are to fully display the light of Christ in each of our lives. Some of us maybe are orientated towards one, or maybe we've been taught a certain way in which we are supposed to tell other people about the light of Christ. But I want to say that all three of those things are things that we need. I'm going to summarize it in these three words. We need the words. We need works. We need wonders as well. And just as we think about this, the very last thing I want to say is that we need this last W. We need willingness. Willingness to obey. That's where it all starts, isn't it? It starts with a desire for Christ. A desire to see him lifted up beyond me, beyond what I, my achievements. A willingness to obey because he says, go. Go make disciples of all nations and I will be with you to the ends of the ages. Well, we take that word, go, it's very simple, G-O, go, go do it. In my power, in my name, and I'll give you the words. I'll give you good works to do. I'll show signs and wonders that go before you, if you are willing. And that's what I think it says here in Mark. It says this in the second part of this parable. It says here, if anyone has ears to hear, Let him hear. He's speaking to you and I Here, Are we hearing? Are we willing to obey? And he says, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. If you choose to obey Christ this morning, if you choose to be brave, to say, God, I'm willing, and we allow his word to take root in our lives, We develop a heart of compassion for other people. We choose to walk by the power of the Spirit. Then it says here, more things will be added unto you. Just watch and see what I would do through you, through your willingness to take these steps. And I want to pray that that would be our hearts, that God, you would take root in our lives, inwardly, outwardly. The word would be, would be working in each one of our lives to mature us, To change elements of our lives, that things in our lives which you know don't uh, that that need help, that needs Christ's rule in our lives. I want to pray this morning that you would develop, God would develop in us a heart of compassion for people. We need compassion. We need to see how God has extended friendship into our lives, and we need to extend friendship to other people as well. That's how we will bring the light of Christ. We need to learn how to walk by the Spirit, to allow and pray for opportunities to come. I think in God's kingdom, there's no such thing as as coincidences. There's God coincidences, but I think random things don't happen. God is sovereignly in charge, and he is going to place you in places tomorrow, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, to be the light of life to people around you. We need to pray in the spirit. We need to pray against distractions, not getting our lives all orientated in the wrong way, where we don't have time for other people. We need to pray against the devil's schemes because he's the one who wants to stop the word going out. He's the one who blinds the eyes of people who don't see the light of light in Christ. But I'm calling you this day, church, just as God has been calling me this week. Am I willing to obey the call of Christ? Am I willing to risk reputation, opinions of me? Am I willing to count Christ more precious than life itself? so that his glory and his light gets lifted up above my own. So church, I'm asking you this morning, will you be willing to hear the word of Christ this morning? And I invite you to allow his light to shine through you to the places where you will be this week. I want to close with just one story. And uh, I don't have many stories. Um, But this one is just one I think that that has been spoken about a lot this, this morning already. Um, and this is about allowing God's fruit, God to do the work of his Holy Spirit in his timing. I remember as a, uh, a 20-something-year-old, um, I was serving in a church um, in London, and uh, I had the privilege of, of teaching uh, every Sunday a group of 11 to 14-year-olds. And for those of you who are 11 to 14— I love you, so many of you in my youth group now, and, and we, we, love, uh, we love speaking to you guys, and, and you guys are amazing. But this group of 11 to 14-year-olds were like the most, how to say, actually one of them is here. <laughs> but they were, they were so like, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. I just want to watch cartoons. or You know, they were so uninterested in what we had to say. And I remember we did a series on, 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 the, on the 10 commandments, and I thought, man, this is going to get down like a ton of bricks. We're going to talk about how you're supposed to love God and he's are supposed to talk about how you're supposed to love, uh, love God with all your heart and how relevant it's going to be. And um, that was when I was in my 20s. And a few years later, we moved to Forest Town Church. We got married, we had kids, and we moved to Forest Town Church. And I remember going back to our old church one, I think it was an Easter time. It must have been an Easter time. We went back, and, um, and uh, it just so happened that, that that service, they were doing baptisms that Sunday. And I was like, oh, great. And I was upstairs. I think I was carrying Isabel, just kind of minding my business, playing with her in, in, in kind of the creche like these guys were doing up here. And and, and I heard this, um, they had like a, you know, the headphones or the, the TV in the room, and it was talking about, you know, the stuff which was going on in the service. And this girl came up, and she's, her name was Olivia Pang. And um, she was just sharing about um, her testimony because she was going to get baptized that day. And this is probably five or six years after you know that, that, that session I did on, on the Ten Commandments. And she talks about how, oh yeah, well, was, my journey really started this one Sunday. And some guy was speaking about how Jesus says, um, if, you, if you hate your, your brother or sister, it's like murder. And she said, that got me thinking about me, because I thought I was a good kid. I thought I was all right. I didn't kill anybody. But Jesus says that something about my attitude um, is like breaking 10 commandments. And something I saw in myself something of my sin and what Jesus needed to do in my life. And at that moment, my heart broke. Because I remember praying years ago when we started doing youth ministry is that God says in in 1 Corinthians 3, I think it is, it says that uh, I planted, I sowed, I I planted, Apollo watered. And the Holy Spirit did grow, or God did the growing. And that was a promise for me. If I was faithful with just sowing the seed, if I was just faithful with just every Sunday, lovingly um, being kind and and generous to these kids, God would do the growing in his time. Somebody else probably in her journey was there, watering along the way. Amen. Thank you, God. All I had to do was just do my part. And God would do the growing. And it broke my heart because the main thing which I realized was that she didn't mention anything of me. It was some guy, some word that was spoken, and it took root. In the timing, it took five, six years' time, whatever it was, that God did to do the growing. That is what we're called to do, church. We're just called to sow. We're just called to be faithful. Maybe it's a few. Maybe it's one or two. Maybe it's just one person. Be faithfully sowing into the one person's life because God will reap a harvest if we are firstly willing to be used by Him. So I'm going to invite you, church, this morning to stand. If you want to be a light bearer of Christ, to hold up that life, I don't know what it looks like for you. All I know is that Christ has to rule in our hearts, He has to take central place. And we have to just display Him in whatever way that looks like. Maybe it's social action. Maybe it's words, maybe it's kindness, maybe it's signs and wonders. Who knows? That's how God operated, that's how Jesus did it. We're called to do the same thing. But if you want to see people come to Christ, if you long to see the name of Jesus lifted up in other people's lives, just as we experienced today, then I want you to stand this morning and I want you to invite you to have courage and pray for courage to obey and to follow Christ this morning. So I want to invite you this morning, church, to have, for, pray for courage. If you're willing this morning to be a light bearer for Christ, I need courage. We need, need courage. Would you hold out your hands? Would you hold out your hands? Would you just ask the Holy Spirit to come? Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come now. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would send your spirit of courage. Thank you, Lord God, as the, as the apostles in Acts, um, the spirit of courage and boldness came on Peter, and he spoke with truth, with power and conviction. Lord, I pray for courage to reach out to the poor around us. I pray for courage, Lord God, to trust you for words of wisdom in those times when we're with our friends and we don't know what to say. Lord, I pray for a boldness to come on us, Lord, when we are challenged for our faith. And we may be the only Christian in our school, but we will come, Lord God, and represent you, our Savior and our God. Lord, I pray for those times when we're in the office and um, people ask us about, how was your weekend? I pray, Lord God, we, we, we open our lives, Lord, to say how wonderful you are to us. Lord, I pray for the person here who's been praying for that friend for years. And I pray, Lord God, that it is you who does the growing. We just sow. Others will water, but Jesus, you will grow. And we pray, Lord, for perseverance and faith to believe that this is what you do. You are the way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper light in the darkness for a dark dark world this is who you are Lord Jesus and we are yours we say Lord use us use us as light bearers let our lives illuminate the light of Christ to every single person we come across tomorrow and on Tuesday and on Wednesday and on Thursday and on Friday take your place Jesus In our lives, take your rightful place and use this church, Lord, for your glory. Amen.